0: the batman universe comic podcast hey this is scott snyder hi this is denny o'neill my name is neil Adams. And this is paul Dini. hi my name is Dan deal this is kevin conroy hey
1: this is francis
0: maniple hi this is jim lee and you're listening to the batman universe comic podcast Of the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Episode Number One Sixty Eight. I am your host Dustin. And today, I have with me. This is Ed,
2: and this is fan favorite
0: Tessa Alghuli. And we are bringing you the latest comic news and comic book reviews from August second through August fifteenth. We have a little bit of news to cover. We have two books to review, spotlight, tons of listener Q and A's, and we're going to have a small little discussion right during our right after our comic news, um, kind of relating to something we've talked about before, mm-hmm. but. With that being said, let me jump straight into comic news. Uh, just a couple things to report. The very first thing is, August 12th, DC announced that uh, the long, originally announced series way back in October of 2004 called Batman Europa is in fact being revived and actually has a okay. release date. Um, this project was originally was a concept that Jim Lee came up with while he was on a trip to Italy. He spent a year in Italy and he came up with this concept for a story. Uh, it was realized by Brian Ezrello and Matteo Caselli and, uh, Jim Lee was supposed to do the art for this. It was announced way back in October of 2004 and then eventually never, nothing ever happened. And then all of a sudden in January 2011, and I do remember it getting this, there, it was, there was, it was solicited for that January of 2011. Then it just disappeared off the face of the earth. Nobody ever heard of it again, and it was again one of those projects where it was like, eh, "What's going on?" Now, honestly, when it was announced for January 2011, nobody really cared. It was kind of just like, "Oh, that that project that was, you know, announced seven years ago is finally coming out." But now we're actually getting it solicited. Now DC is a little bit better about making sure that when they solicit stuff, it actually comes out, even if it is, a, you know, a week or so late. They haven't actually had any serious issues where they have canned a series before it actually releases after they send out a solicitation. So I'm sure it's coming this time. Um, The basic gist of this, there's not a whole lot of information regarding the story, but it says, the impossible has happened and Batman is on the verge of being taken down by an enemy he cannot defeat, a virus for which there is no cure. The only hope for his salvation is the Joker, who infected Batman. Who infected Batman? What does the Clown Prince of Crime know, and how will the Dark Knight get that information? Together, the enemies crisscross Europe, despite desperate to find answers before time runs out. It's a four-issue miniseries with that will feature art by top talents, over uh, including the first issue penciled and inked by none other than Jim Lee. So look forward to that. Uh, we will be reviewing that over on the website, in addition to. The other titles that are coming out in the coming months as well, but that will be a, a series that we won't be reviewing here on the podcast. Yes. Now I will say, because of Ed's response there, once the, uh, four issues are combined into a trade paperback, which is bound to happen, we most likely could do a, you know, a spotlight on that specific one, similar to what we've done with some of the other uh, graphic novels that have come out, but with this, this would be a perfect example of, to do that as well.
1: The only, th- which is good. The only thing I thought was when I, when I read this, it, it, is, it, is the rest of you getting the same idea that I am that each issue is going to be done by a different artist? Is yes. that? Yeah. I hate it when they do that. And I love Jim Lee, so it's, it's obviously no, no knock on him, but especially on a four issue miniseries, and it sounds cool, like I'm all for picking it up, but I just wish that they would keep the same artist. Is that? You guys know what I'm
0: saying? Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And the, the, the layouts are being done by the same person across the four books. This Giuseppe Comunchcoli. I'm, I I know I'm saying that. You got that right for sure. Yeah. I know. But, uh, (laughs) but the thing is, like, the fact that it was, it was a concept that was supposedly was inspired by Jim Lee and he's he, you know th- i don't know i guess the, my biggest thing is it was this this was literally announced over 11 years ago originally and in that course of 11 years yes i know a lot has happened in the, you know with dc comics jim lee becoming co-publisher the new 52 and all this other stuff and you know this big emphasis on dc entertainment great but you would think over the course of 11 years jim lee could have fit possibly finished Four issues. You
2: but, think. Yeah, I found out. Uh, I went to his spotlight at the at Comic Con, and he has a large number of children. I believe it's yeah, it's, it's like, like five or seven. Yeah, yeah it's it's, it's a lot. I think it's six.
0: And what's really wow, weird is there was, I saw something. I don't remember what it was. It was a video interview where he was talking about. He's like, yeah, I've got like five, maybe six kids. Maybe. Like, yeah, exactly. Maybe I six. Like, I don't know. Oh, you know six okay.
2: oh, gosh.
0: I mean I guess you know, if you lived in the house with only a certain number of them and you had older kids or something, I don't know. I don't know how you could forget how many kids you had, but I swear I saw this and he was like I think it was a DC All Access video and he was like, Yeah, I've got like five or six kids And I'm just saying like, Wow, what a weird thing to say. Um, well, you know, but, you're getting but the
2: reason why I brought that up is just because somebody the reason why he even Did it was somebody asked, you know, why are you taking a break from illustrating at DC? And he said, I have, basically he wants to focus on his family, which was then funny because later on you find out that he's actually working on a project at San Diego Comic Con. You find some, so that's interesting. Um, did you say, is this like a full story in four issues or are they four different vignettes, like little pieces? My
0: understanding is it's one full story.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: And it's a, they they are oversized issues. There are 40 pages instead of 32. Gotcha. So I mean, it could, it, it would, yeah, they get broken yeah. down to about the size of a six-issue normal miniseries. What mm, okay. they're doing is for most likely due to the art.
2: Yeah. You'd think, because I was wondering, you know, if they were sort of one shots, but that they had an overarching theme, then maybe the separate artists would make sense. But I totally agree with Ed that consistency would
0: be. The one thing that could make sense is if you, you know, the description does say they crisscross throughout Europe. So maybe Mm -hmm. the intent is they Mm -hmm. go to a different country. Oh, and okay, that's and the, art, the art changes. That's yeah. of an issue, that a a Paris issue. Yeah. yeah, something like and
2: that. And that, you know, I, I think if you're doing something like that creatively, I think that works. You know, that was something that happened with Backroll Annual Number 2, where each of the different team-ups that Backroll had, they were illustrated by different people, whether those people were working on the books at the time or not. And I think that absolutely worked. And that was just one issue. So, if they have something like that, I could be on board with it. But if it's just one streamlined story and you've got four different people on, that could be a little weird.
0: All right. Next up, also on August 12th, some more details about The Dark Knight 3 were released. Uh, the official name in the series is Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just making sure I point that out. It's not like The Dark Knight Returns three or anything like that, because they, because for a while I thought it was actually The Dark Knight three, and then it turned out no, nope, that's not it either. The other aspect of it is that they said that the, the the series will be eight issues, have a 32 page main story written by Frank Miller and Brian Esrella with art by Andy Kubert and Klaus Janson, plus each one will have a 16 page backup story by yet to be announced team. The backups or the backup story will be featured as a mini comic. Now they're releasing two different versions of this. The first version releases, the first one will release on November 25th. This version is basically the comic book, the 32 page comic book normal size, but then there's a 16 page, the 16 page mini comic, which is the backup is kind of like an insert where if you picture a catalog in the middle of a catalog, there's always like an order form that you would pull out. That's a different size. That's basically what the mini comic will be. Then two weeks after that version of the comic comes out, they then will release the collector's edition which will go and jump in price from $5.99 up to $12.99. The mini pit, mini comic will then jump to the same size as the other other parts of the story, the main comic. Uh, but the overall, the entire the entire thing will jump to an oversized size, which isn't the same as a normal comic. And then once all eight issues release then dc will release a folio which will allow you to put all eight versions of the collector's edition into the folio for collecting purposes
2: wow they're really planning this to be a big hit
0: well yes what if it I... sucks <laughs> well i mean i i'm hoping because brian azarell is attached it's not going to be some kind of crazy frank miller thing oh and the collector's edition will also be 12.99 rather than Twelve ninety nine an issue? Yeah, r- rather than five ninety nine like the other two editions. That means <laughs>
1: that's gonna be a hundred I just did the math. hundred and three dollars if you buy it in collector's edition for the story.
0: Yeah. Which is in my Gee. opinion a little excessive.
1: That's absolute money. I don't get it. But uh I don't under you know, actually I don't know I just don't understand why they're doing the goofy two sizes for the backup. I'm not sure what's the point of that. Is that a? I mean, I, I don't see how that came about. with there's someone sitting around and go, "We well, let's do a backup." Okay, backups are cool. Let's make it smaller. You know,
0: smaller and make <laughs> it. It's not even that much smaller. It's like the difference between the main comic and the mini comic is that the main comic is six point three seven five inches, which is such a weird precise number. The sixteen page mini comic is five and a half inches. So it's like a little under one inch of a difference. So strange. As far as width goes. So I don't know. I
2: don't know. Hope it's good. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're counting on it being good (laughs) with all of this merchandise coming out. I mean, why not have action figures to go alongside it? Um. Here's a question. What do you think? Do you think they're making a lot of money off of this compared to what if they had just put it out fully collected and then done like. You know, the others like the Black and White and the Absolute Edition, do you think they would have made better profits selling it all at once instead of, like, dragging it out over months?
0: No, I think what they're banking on is by having multiple versions of it right away. It's the same principle of, like, what we were talking about before with the variant covers. You know, there's some people out there who will buy two copies of the same issue because one of them is a variant cover. I'm one of those people, you know, and, you know, I'm – that actually is really bad, in my opinion, for sales number, like to get accurate sales numbers. But with this, they're counting on people probably, you know, honestly, I feel like people are probably going to buy the digital version when it first comes out, and then they'll wait two weeks to buy the collector's version if they're a real collector, because that way they have, you know, a copy Makes to so. read right away when it comes out. But then if they wait two more weeks, they can get the collector's version, which yes, is more expensive, but will look a lot nicer, probably, ultimately, on the shelf.
1: Now, off the subject of the Bizarro World issuing of all these different weird things here, have we heard any actual details about the story yet? Because I
0: haven't. No. No. There's nothing about the story. At all. We don't know anything about when it's taking place. You know, if it's a direct sequel to what happened, or what we saw in in The uh, the Dark Knight Strikes Again, we have no idea what's going on. Okay. And it, The solicitation doesn't say say anything. So,
2: (laughs) okay, maybe so they can change it last minute. This
1: one's done, right? But this has got to be done in the can. They won't have any delays. Oh,
0: Oh. I'm sure. I'm sure. If it's not done, it's very close to being done. I don't think there's. I don't think it's possible for them to have delays. And one of the reasons I think that is, if you remember last year, San Diego Comic Con, Batman 75th anniversary. When I say last year, I'm referring to 2014. Mm -hmm. The, when, when that all happened, you know, if you remember Frank Miller, he was part of the Batman 75th anniversary celebration and it kind of got brought back and DC made a big deal about how he was around and he was involved with, you know, some of the panels for 75th anniversary of Batman. And then I remember Scott Snyder talking about how it was such a thrill to have dinner with Frank Miller. And it really felt as if this project, if it, got conceived it happened a year ago and here we are a little over a year ago and now it's going to finally be coming out because they because they did wait because even though it was announced pretty much back in april at c2e2 this year and we're not and we're not actually going to see the first issue until november i feel like it probably was conceived summer of 2014 and that's when they decided okay we've got this story in mind who are we going to link you up with to make it work out? Asrello, he left, uh, I believe, wasn't he on Wonder Woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He left Wonder Woman, um, and then, you know, he didn't have any major projects, um, ongoing projects. So it led him to be- do this. And coincidentally, it's funny because Asrello is also the writer for this Batman Europa too. So we'll see exactly. How it all works out once we hit November. I don't think we're going to learn anything about what anything, what the story is about at all up until right before. All right. Next up, the last bit of news we have is some, is an interview roundup from Snyder and Capullo talking about Batman number 43. Now, obviously we haven't talked about Batman 43 yet, but I'm going to just run through some of these points. Um, Terry wrote up an article, uh, Capullo and Snyder talked with a number of different outlets, including DC NewsRama, IGN, and Comic Resources, and he collected the bullet points from some of these specific interviews, talking about some of the most interesting news bits from them. So first off, fans have read have responded to the new Super Heavy story much better than they expected, which seems to be the answer they say every single time there's a new story idea. Uh, Mr. Bloom is meant to be an almost literal representation of the tensions that grow between the cracks in Gotham City's foundations and communities. This story is meant to be a deep examination of the character of Batman through the lenses of Bruce Wayne, Jim Gordon, and Duke Thomas. Mr. Bloom uses plants and flowers metaphorically rather than as a source of his powers like poison ivy. Super, super Heavy will either be ten issues or nine issues with an mm. oversized finale. Now real quick, let's talk about that. Okay. Yes, I know exactly, everybody knows exactly where I'm going. If you're a long time listener to the comic cast, you know where I'm going with this. We were promised shorter story arcs and now all the, of course we're being told it's going to be nine or 10 issues. Now I'm not sure how it could be 10 issues unless there was an annual or something because I'm really trying hard to figure out how this story is going to be even nine issues because technically Capullo is not even doing it next month's issue 44, Brian Azarello's co-writing the issue, and it's supposed to be dealing with Mr. Bloom's back history or something, but Capullo's not even doing the art for that issue, and we all know that they're supposed to be off the issue at issue number 50. That's their last, that's supposed to be their last issue. So the fact that it could be potentially nine or ten issues, and the finale of the oversized, okay, finale, oversized, surprise, surprise, that always happens whenever they get to the end of one of their story arcs. But Let's just think about this logically for a moment. Nine or ten issues after we were told we were going to get shorter story arcs. And we honestly felt like we could have been getting shorter story arcs because 41 and 42 actually felt like it was just a shorter story. And now 43 has happened and we know it's not the case because the ending was left very wide open. We know it's not the end. So, again, long story arcs coming from Snyder after he says this is something he wants to change. I don't know that he can change it, honestly.
1: Well, in fairness, zero out year and Court of Owls were twelve issues, and this one's only nine or ten.
0: Oh, okay. <clears throat> I, don't, I mean,
1: it's just a, let's face it: the guy just writes long stories, right? Like, yeah, it's almost a point now where you know you fool you know, is it fool you once? You know, blame one. You, know, I mean, like his stories are just going to be long, and even when he says they're not, we know that's not true. Yeah, I mean, it's just. This is the nature of this particular beast. which is fine. He writes a long story.
0: All right. Next up, it says, It is intentional that this story and the new series, Batman and Robin Eternal, will both end in April 2016, as Batman number 50 will be a natural starting point for something new, but it has nothing to do with Batman vs Superman. Yeah. Mr. Bloom didn't kill Penguin in this issue. Spoiler, I guess, if you until we get to that review. But Mr. Bloom didn't kill Penguin in this issue. Whoa. Well, you okay over there? Here goes the, one of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry about that. <laughs> M- well, Mr. Bloom he, Mr. Bloom didn't kill Penguin in this issue, and Penguin will have a scene with Duke Thomas in an upcoming issue. Bruce Wayne is not a clone, and the inclusion of the cloning machine in Batman number 43 was a nod to the story from Detective Comics number 27, and is meant to show that not only did that plan fail, But that the that the Batman that has been featured since the New 52 began really is gone and dead. Issue number 44, written or co-written by with Brian Azzarello, will look at the past of Mister. Bloom and the allusions to previous encounters that Gordon mentioned in the issue 43. Now, real quick, I want to talk about this clone thing too. Now, Terry did a he wrote up a great article. Check it out over on the website. It's entitled. Is Scott Snyder's Bruce Wayne a clone? Uh, he wrote that article up uh, two days before 43 came out, and we knew exactly this, the information we now know about issue 43. And you know, I mentioned the same thought process on a on a past episode about is this Bruce Wayne a clone? And I have to say that somehow the explanation is a little hollow for me when we get to 43. Um, the I have a hard time believing. That somehow everything healed and the brain just wipes itself clean and it's, it's fine. Like, I don't know. To me, if that is really the explanation and that's what they're sticking with, it seems so convoluted to me. But we'll talk more about that when we get to, when we get to the actual review because I'm sure Ed's going to talk about a lot of that stuff. But I just wanted to give a plug to Terry's article. Definitely check that out. Um, it was getting a lot of traffic on the website. It's, is Scott Snyder's Bruce Wayne a clone? It's under comic news. Um, and then he lays out a lot of the reasons of why we believe that Scott Snyder's Batman currently appearing in, or Bruce Wayne, I should say, currently appearing in Batman is a clone. So despite the fact that we're being told, it's not a clone, read Terry's explanation. We'll figure it out. Once we get towards the end of the, the, uh, the run on Batman. All right, have so then... Ever talked about...
2: I just have a question. Hey, can writers... Can, like, creators lie to us? Is it okay if they lie to us oh, in I'm order sure to keep a it's mystery?
0: I'm yeah. sure of it. I, I think they, okay. they lie on purpose sometimes. And if, even if it's not something that they want to do, I feel like DC's telling them they have to lie. Oh. Honestly. Well, I
2: mean... I just want...
1: I, you almost kind of want them to lie. I mean, in a way, like... <clears throat> If they just answer because you imagine if they answered every question honestly, there'd be no surprises. You know? But I think Snyder lies more than so. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And I don't and sometimes I feel like I'm not sure if he's doing it intentionally or if like, you know, he gets ahead of himself with saying certain things without realizing the ultimate plan. But anyway, the short discussion point that I wanted to talk about is Ed wrote up a article, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I just wanted to briefly discuss this. Uh, Ed, tell us about the article.
1: Oh, well, I I basically wrote an article. We had had that discussion about Tim Drake, and it was just a reinforcement of what we talked about, which is, I think that they should kill Tim Drake, because it would be a way, it would be a way to spotlight his character. And and like I said, I wrote in the article, and the name of the article is very cleverly called Tim Drake Must Die, so you know exactly (laughs) what you're getting into. Um, but basically the thing is, He's the only Robin that hasn't been killed, and I feel like that you know maybe if we killed him, we would bring some focus back to his character. Uh, and the reality is, if we kill him, he's not going to stay dead anyway because nobody actually does. So that's fine. So that's what I wrote about.
2: So kill him in current continuity, not Batman Beyond continuity. Yeah,
0: just kill him.
1: Yeah, in current continuity.
0: Yeah, current okay. continuity. Kill him. Give him some sort of purpose. And now, now I will say this: when we posted the link to the article over on <laughs> Facebook. Our Facebook group like absolutely blew up with people saying this, you know, sharing their thoughts, their thoughts on this. And the consensus, at least from what everything that I read, the consensus was everyone doesn't want them to have to kill Tim in order to have, you know, for Tim to serve a purpose for the Bat family. But at the same time, they acknowledge the fact that if he was killed, it would benefit the character and his, his future with the Bat family.
1: And there's a little tongue-in-cheek in the article, too. Like, they've just been using the character so poorly that, and in this character, bears almost no resemblance to the pre-New 52 version of Tim Drake, you know, that you might as well just kill him off, as far as I'm concerned. So, no, I just, but you were right. People absolutely uh, responded to it pretty vehemently, and, and half of them had thought I'd lost my mind along the way. So,
0: <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, it was just, it was something that, you know, we had, we had touched on the podcast, and I just thought I'd write it up.
0: And the thing is, like, I I am one of those people who I hey, I, I I said this probably was the mo- the thing that made the most sense for the character as well. And the thing is, I've one thing I do want to just randomly point out was early solicitations for certain books have been released well, before we're recording this. Um, after you are listening to this, I'm, solicitations for November will be on the website. Early solicitations have released, and one of the covers that they released for Batman and Robin Eternal actually has Tim Drake on the cover interacting with Dick Grayson, so. That doesn't mean he's gonna be in the book. I know that doesn't, (laughs) because we've seen that before, but at the same time, you know, we, we do know that Tim Drake did have a role in Batman Eternal. Not a huge role, but he did have a role. So, um, you know, if anything, you know, all of us who want Tim Drake to have a role in the Bat family,
2: I feel mm-hmm. like
0: Batman and Robin Eternal or anything eternal is probably going to be the only avenue we're going to see it anytime soon.
2: Well, Ed, what, what, what are the repercussions if we kill him off in current continuity with Batman Beyond? Well,
1: I don't think there would be any. Um, I mean, that's five years down the line. And the reality is he's not going to be dead long. You know, I mean, you could kill him. You could do a, you could do a Damien to him, right? Kill him, bring him back the next year. And as long as he's back by five years from now, it wouldn't destroy the Batman Beyond continuity.
2: I I feel like we're almost getting into, this could be a whole discussion section right here, but I remember when the whole Damien thing was happening, we didn't necessarily, even though I remember Joe was on the show at that time when they killed him off, and, and he and I were on the same page with how much we really loved Damien, and as much as we missed him, we didn't want him to be brought back so soon because we thought the whole death would be, in vain and very hollow. So isn't that sort of the same thing? I mean, you you want to kill Tim off in order to create this big hubbub and just bring him back. I mean, shouldn't he be dead for a while in order to create this void that we can really feel and then there's a purpose for the character?
1: Oh, no, it, it's... Listen, you're, you're absolutely right. It's not that I think that that's how they should do it, but I'm saying that's what I think they would do. Um. Oh, I mean, okay. I mean, we had... Bruce Wayne got killed at the end of the end game and was back in the next issue. Yeah. You know, I mean, Damien was dead for what, nine months, give or take, you know, somewhere along there. Um, we're really starting to get to the point where the quote unquote and you know, get am doing air quotes and no one can ever see me doing them Uh for the uh for, for deaths in comic books has become I mean, Jason was dead for how long? Dustin? 12 years, 13 years, 15 years. That is a long Uh, time.
0: No, it was even longer than that because he didn't, like he, you know, they had him randomly pop up in the Hush story, which was 2004, 2005, around there. Um, but he was killed way back in 88. So, so, almost 20 years? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's basically 16 years that he's been, he was, he was gone, but then he didn't actually come back until Under the Red Hood, which was, I believe, 2006. If I remember correctly. Right. So that's, so that's, about, the, yeah. that's almost 20 years.
1: You know, and, and that's when that had, think about how much meaning Jason's death had. I mean, you had all the stories with, well, you had a lonely place of dying with Tim Drake, for that matter, come mm-hmm. from Jason's death, right? And then you had all the, you know, the problems and the staring at the glass case and the deals with the Joker and all that kind of stuff throughout the years and his big regret. Um so yeah, I, I totally agree with you still. I just don't think for whatever reason now, um, I don't know if it's attention span they think if they think that us as, as readers don't have the attention span.
2: You know? <laughs> oh my gosh. yeah, like
1: like they're really like going from we killed Jason, he was dead for twenty years. We killed Damien, he was back in eight months, nine months, you know? Um yeah, I, I, think, I think that when they kill characters, they should be some kind of moratorium on. If you kill them, they're dead for, I don't know, five years? Four years? I mean, you know. Well,
0: see, we see that, but we all sat there and said, how long is it going to be before they bring Damien back when they kill Damien? And that took just about a year and a half before they brought him back. And honestly, I'm glad they brought him back because it was almost as if nobody really knew how he was going, you know, what was going to happen in Batman Incorporated that was going to kill him, and then they had to, like, adjust the plan for all of the other titles, but I, I agree to the, the point where there probably is a certain time that a character should stay dead, but at the same time, there shouldn't be, like, a set rule where you kill a character and they have to be gone for a set amount of time, because whatever the new version, like... Don't get me wrong, I'm sure a publisher, whether it be DC or anybody else, is not going to sit there and agree to have a character killed in a story and then sit there and not have a plan for what they're going to do after that character gets killed that they're going to have, they're gonna put their faith in and say, this is what we believe is actually going to work. At the same point, if it doesn't work, they have to have a backup plan, which is to bring the character back.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: All right, so... That's that's another editorial, so just keep a, keep an eye out on the websites because we've been trying to get some uh, original content posted on the website outside of just the normal comic news, so be sure to check out that. So with that, we're going to jump into our comic book reviews, and the first one we're going to do is Detective Comics.
2: Detective Comics number 43, writer and colorist Brian Bucciolato, penciler and inker Fernando Blanco. While Batman is going hand-to-hand with the La Muerte game, Task Force Alpha get a 2 two fifteen, which is Batman out of his suit. So now there's a special handbook, I think, for these things. The Task Force spawned a worn-out Batman, and the suit sands the power cord back in HQ the team discusses the La Muerte plan and what they could possibly use the power core for besides it being worth millions Daryl makes the point that it could be used as a bomb and says that he could potentially track the type of concentrated energy that it would give off but the thing is the core is going to have to be used in order for him to track it Montoya arrives at this little gathering, and has info on the number that book told her to look up. She doesn't know whose phone it is, but somehow she was able to find some photos that Yip sent to the phone, and the photos are of the seating arrangement for the circus that we saw Yip take some pictures of. Yip, isn't that a funny name? At the East End waterfront, the La Muerte arrived to give the power core to a fan-favorite character, Joker's daughter. How pumped are you guys? How pumped? Yeah, it was great. La Muerte also wants her help on something And notice there's a random guy Chained up with Joker's Daughters gang I know, you know, everyone else is crazy Except this guy wondered who he was At GCPD headquarters The captured members of the La Muerte gang Aren't saying anything interrogation Boa confronts Yip on the roof Asking her how long she's been dirty And offering her protection When she says she doesn't know the specifics of the whole thing that's about to go down, and saying it would be suicide to even tell what it would be if she knew. It's too late, and she finishes her point by punching Bullock. So I guess they're done. At La Cirque de Wolland, uh Bullock is annoyed. He has to sit through the rehearsal, and Montoya explains the merits of it when Alvarez and his partner, forgive me for not knowing her name, I did look it up, uh, show up saying they are going to take Yip down and Bullock with her. They finally give the name of the gang and we find out that besides stealing the core from the bat suit, the gang is also hired by someone in the Falcone family to make a hit on somebody. Later, Batman and Bullock have a conversation about crossing the line when Bullock asks Jim to kill his partner. Yip. On a dark street, of course, one of the members of La Muerte meets with Stefano Falcone who wants to be sure the La Muerte gang does not fail this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to take out someone for the family. Jim Gordon goes home to rest. Book tries to get Yip on the phone to no avail, and the arrested members of the La Muerte gang uh, are being transported when a figure emerges from the water and destroys a portion of the bridge and the transport. Jim gets picked up and dropped down to the scene when he sees a huge Joker bot. And next up, of course is joker uh, my first i've got like two like embedded questions but it's all about yep this this first one um so alvarez shows up saying yep is under investigation so i wondered how long do you think yep has been under an, an investigation and how long did pullock s- suspect she was dirty so that's sort of the first part and if he did think she was dirty why was he sleeping with her
0: because he knew she was dirty. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> okay, so. That's not bad. Uh, I try, I try, I really do. I'm trying to hone those, those comedic skills. Oh my um, but, uh, here, here, my thing was this. I'm trying to figure out why car, uh, detective Carlos Alvarez, who appears in, uh, Catwoman, who, they made reference to Alvarez and Keys potentially being dirty themselves. Um. Ray Montoya said that. I'm trying to figure out why Alvarez would be the one to say, oh, by the way, Yip is under investigation. Considering Yip, uh, Alvarez and Keys, I believe, are part of MCU, at least according to what, what we've been seeing in Detective Comics. I thought they were part of MCU because they put up a stink about having to be involved with the circus seating chart crazy thing that was going on, I believe that was in the last issue. They made a fit about they had to deal with that, but they're not internal affairs, so why would they have any idea that Yip was being under investigation. Outside of that, the fact that she's dirty, I feel like Harvey probably didn't know she was dirty until he probably was already sleeping with her, and he just was like, well, if she's dirty, as long as I can find out what's going on and still get some on the side, why not?
2: Oh my gosh.
0: I really feel like that's the case. I don't know how else to explain it, because why else would he continue to do it if he knew she was dirty? I guess I'm more concerned about the, uh, the, the point that was brought up about the fact that, uh, the, the, the Harvey's basically asked, what are you going to do about killing your partner? Mm-hmm. That was a little odd. Um, but in general, Yip was always meant to go down one way or the other. If it's, you know, to go down because she's dirty, fine.
1: Yeah. I just think, you know, Bullock is kind of naturally just paranoid, you know? Um, so I, I think that he was, he was kind of always looking for her to, you know, be dirty. Um, so yeah, I just think that's part of his character. Why did he keep sleeping with her? I don't know. Cause he's a guy. I mean, it's, it doesn't, I guess Dustin's point is as good as, as any, I guess once you've already gone down that path, there's no point in stopping now, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's just to me. Bullock's always the paranoid one who who's always looking into anything and you know the conspiracy theorist type of the deal. So yeah, I just I just think that's part of his character to always be questioning people and and unfortunately in Gotham City, if you look hard enough, it seems that uh, unless you're one of the very very few good guys, almost everyone's dirty in one way shape or form. So I guess he found what uh, what Yip was hiding.
2: Yeah, I-, I wonder if they started investigating her right after she accidentally, with quotes, shot that kid. Um, Mm. you know because maybe because she did get off of course but i feel maybe that was sort of the catalyst for you know maybe there's something not so right with with yep and so that's why because i feel like it's it'd be too all of a sudden if it just happened right now while this was coming out of her uh, off of you know the phone and such um as for bulk i guess i'm just disappointed i i hope he didn't think that she was dirty and still sleeping with her because i feel like this run has been so wonderful for, and Detective Comics in general, I feel, has been so wonderful in developing the bullet character and going to places that we haven't seen with him that it'd be disappointing to think that he was still, if you will, tapping that while, you know, while, while suspecting that she may be dirty. I just feel like there, he's a better character than that. So I'm hopeful that, that, that is, is, a. Uh, is not true. But, um, uh, you know, and, and especially he's up on the roof and he's trying to help her, but he's not trying to get her into bed, but he's really, you know, honest about, you know, I'm here to help you if I can. So I, I hope he was not aware until he saw that phone light up that one time. Uh my second oh uh yeah, so Alvarez, he's popping up in here and you mentioned Catwoman and I wonder do you think that as we push on, because we're having these Catwoman characters pop over, do you think Catwoman has a role to play? Because we also see the Falcons, um, or at least one of them, make an appearance. Do you think Catwoman and of course Selena Kyle is gonna have a bigger role to play in the future of Detective Comics?
0: I don't think so, but my reasoning for it is n- nothing more than just the amount of time we know that these creators left on this title. I don't feel, I mean, they're only, they only have one more issue after this month. And I don't think that it would make any sense to bring Catwoman in. Although at the same time, I don't know how they're wrapping up this story in one month with this weird introduction of Joker's daughter at the end of this issue. So to me, you know, I don't know. I don't think Catwoman's gonna be a part of it. I think part of the reason they brought Alvarez and Keys over into Detective Comics is because they are dealing a lot more with G C P D, which I enjoy. But and and considering those two characters are already established in another book, it's very smart for them to do it instead of just randomly bring, introducing two more characters. It gives these characters a little bit more depth, especially when they're appearing in more than one title per month it's smart um but the introduction of the falcons like i said i i can't figure out how they're going to uh you know wrap this up in one more issue but at the same time i don't feel as if catwoman's going to make an appearance i don't i don't know what what would warrant her making an appearance other than just having a glorified unless of course the oh man i i just thought of this what, what, i i'm hoping that Buccioletto, you know, the last bit of Catwoman that he read wasn't the Joker's daughter stuff in Catwoman, and that's why she's randomly popped up, and that's and then Catwoman does pop up to take out Joker's daughter. Oh, that would be so horrible. Please don't let that happen. I,
1: uh, I agree with Dustin, by the way. Uh, Please don't let, just, just stop the Joker's daughter madness. I don't care how it ends, to be honest with you. Um, no, uh, I kind of hope she does. I don't think she probably will because I think they'd probably put it on the solicit. but but I do think that the way they're setting up this kind of Gotham central vibe in this book, right with uh, a lot to do with organized crime and things like that that I think that since Selena has such a major part in organized crime now in Gotham, I think that if they go down this path and I'm not sure if Tomasi is gonna keep I mean Tomasi could keep this book going in the same direction with the same characters. You
0: know, but he, he's not. Right,
1: well, is he going? Do you think he's totally going to
0: get away from Bullock though? Totally. Like, I think he is because they said okay. that the, the the solicitation for Tomasi's first issue has the new Batman teaming up with the League. I don't know how Bullock would be okay. Good point. In something
1: like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Wow. So then, oh, you know, I hadn't really thought about that, but I, yeah, you're right. i know to remember that solicit now. Um. Yeah, that would be. Again, I think this is kind of—I hate to echo back to a point we made on another cast, but isn't this kind of feel like they had this big plan, right? You know, and maybe part of their plan was to have Catwoman get involved, uh, since she's such an important part of of organized crime in Gotham City, and and maybe they're just this whole Joker's daughter, Jokerbot thing to me kind of feels like was like crap. We got to wrap this up. What are we gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are we gonna do? Um, But no, I I would I would like to have seen Selena because I think with with this book that we have right now, with Boochletta and Manipal's book, with this Gotham Central type of book, I think she would have fit in very well with the cast of characters.
2: Yeah, I almost... I, I may have, like, a third question, if, if you'll... But um, the Catwoman thing, I think... Um, you know, the, the state of the Catwoman book now, which is just great, I think that it would really jive well with probably... You know, before all of this Jim Gordon stuff happened, would really jive well with what was going on with Detective Comics, just with the street level angle of it all. And I'm not sure how it could fit now with Joker's daughter being thrown in the mix, but I think it'd be an interesting thing to have Bullock and the GCPD go up against Selena and this empire that she's created, I think that could be make for some compelling storytelling. Uh, the Jokers are like, when I saw her, I just thought, man, there's got to be a question that, you know, I could ask about this. And there are so many that come to mind, frankly, like, why in the world? Do you think this was an original intention of Bucciado and uh, Manipool? Or do you think this is something that was... Basically, coming out of the Jim Gordon thing, as we feel like a lot of things have been, because this seems out of place for what we have seen from Buchowato and uh, Manipool, in my opinion, anyways.
0: Everything about this story comes out of, it makes no sense. And comes out of place. <laughs> okay. I mean, like honestly this this it's entire this good. entire story arc since forty one has made absolutely no sense for what they have been doing. You know, they, they, to a degree they've, you know, they've kept some of the focus on Gord, uh, on Bullock and, you know, with his relationship and with Yip and things like that. But for the most part, the entire story doesn't like, doesn't make any sense. Like there is so much stuff right now that is just up in the air that I cannot comprehend how it's all going to neatly wrap up after one more issue. To me, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't understand what the point of introducing the Joker's daughter is at all. Ever? Like, ever, because I don't like the character. I don't know who does like the character, honestly. So the thing is, I don't know why they would use this character. But then on top of that, knowing this is the second to last issue, why would you introduce this type of character as the cliffhanger when you have all of these other things that are just dangling out there? It just seems like the wrong time. That would be something you would do at the, you know, the end of the second or the second of the four issues that you're doing. There's just, there's too many problems with the story. It just comes across, like we said before about, you know, they got kneecapped and something just, this is just like the weird group of stuff that just got thrown together. Someone, they were like sitting across the table drunk and said, let's, let's brainstorm what we can do with four issues. And somehow Joker's daughter just got spit out and they were like, yes, let's just do it. There's so
1: much going on, like,
0: with, like you said, with Yip and
1: with, with Montoya and everything else that we needed to wrap up in that last issue, right? I don't, I agree. I don't know why this stuff got, like, put in here. Like, literally, you have a, a, a very focused, real, gritty police drama going on. And then all of a sudden we have Joker's daughter and a giant, whatever, 10 story tall Joker bot right? Like, it is very, um, clashes very much with what the rest of the story is going on Yeah, with. Absolutely. Uh, Like, why does, yeah.
0: where does she get this Joker bot from? Why? Yeah, how
1: could she even build that? She's yes, just like she, an idiot,
0: you know? Yes, she literally is just an idiot. She has no technology, you know, technology skills whatsoever. She doesn't have any abilities, so it's like, none of it makes any sense. Even it's just like, it's like one of those squad. things... It's it's just one of those random things where they're like, oh well, let's let's just make it happen. It
1: just doesn't. And the whole thing is is bizarre. I mean, not to and mention steal, the,
0: the, the, like just think about the chain of events that led to this. The Muerte gang steal the power core. The power core then somehow gets to Joker's daughter. Joker's daughter then has this giant robot that she's just had sitting somewhere. The they no power needs, core, but she needed that power core that even though this 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 version of Batman has only been around for so long, but she just had this robot just laying around that needed that power to court. Like it's so convoluted, it makes no sense.
1: Yeah, I don't and the Joker's daughter thing, I, I if anybody from DC listens, maybe you guys got like an intern that like listens to these things and takes notes in or something. Um just stop using her. Yes, please. It's crap. I mean Amanda Waller threw out a Suicide Squad because she was essentially worthless as part of the narrative. She's not a very good character. I mean, you use, you know, and if you wanted to have this 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 Joker's daughter character, just why didn't you redo like a cool version of Dula Dent when we, you know, in the New Fifty Two? Mm. Why did Absolutely. we do this? So
0: I think I had, part of the uh, problem is that people want to use somebody who's connected to the Joker, but because Harley Quinn is so popular in her own series. And her spin-off series, and just popular as in general, they can't use her because of that reason. So they they have to use this, you know, knockoff Harley Quinn.
1: She's such a B character. Though. Like this character, like this no, she's C- not B, no C, F. I don't know. Like she's. I mean, this is a character where I don't understand where the fascination is at all. Like. I really don't. Like, she's not even, like, we, you always say, like, we in this and you're totally right, by the way. They want to use someone, quote, unquote, connected with the, with the Joker, right? But she's not. Like, she found I, wish, I just wish that somebody exactly.
0: would have said, hey, you know what? I really do. Like, it would have been perfect if Snyder did this because it's Snyder and he can do whatever he wants yeah. and have everything work out the way he wants it to be. Like, but wouldn't it have been perfect if somehow during the middle of Endgame, Joker's daughter just like appears and Joker's like, who are you supposed to be? And she's like, I'm supposed to be your daughter. And he just shoots her in <laughs> the, her and and the face. face. Oh, yes. Shot her
1: in the face. Shot her in
0: the face. Done. She's now, gone.
1: I will say this. If Manapool and Buchaletto, if they're, if next issue, like this Joker bot falls over and smashes Joker's daughter flat and this whole thing was a giant setup just so they could kill her as, as a present to us going out the door, all is forgiven. All,
0: yeah. Agreed. All right. But in the meantime, Based off of this issue alone, I am going to give it two out of five batterings.
1: Uh, you take two, two and a half, same for me. Art's good as always, you know, so it's a great book to look at, but it doesn't, doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
2: And the depressing thing is that, you know, is this supposed to be the capstone to the amazing run that started out for Buchillado and Manipool and that, you know, it's not. Uh, so I'm going to agree and give it a 2.5 out of five batterings.
0: All right, and over on the website, Corbin gave it three out of five, um, and that's going to give Detective Comics number 43 a total of two and a half out of five Batterings. Let's move into our next book, Batman. Batman number
1: 43, Super Heavy, part three of nine (laughs) or, or ten. Uh, writer Scott Snyder, artist Greg Capullo. Uh, we open back up where we left off with Bruce and Jim Gordon in the pantry. Uh, Jim has come to Bruce because he knows that Bruce was behind most of the tech at Wayne Enterprises and that the Power Corps has put into his bat suit. He says that he needs his help to break the chains of surveillance that the Powers Corp has put on him, and he shows him the Mr. Bloom seat. Bruce, Bruce tells him that he has put all that behind him, and he just wants to help the kids at the center now. Uh, Jim leaves him with the seed, though, and goes on his way. Well. Outside, we see Clark Kent and Alfred uh, like watching over Bruce uh, in a car, kind of spying on him. Uh, Clark says that this is not the Bruce that he knows, and as they drive back to uh, the cave, and it, Alfred explains to him that the Bat family um, just kept digging after Endgame until they finally found him. Uh, but that he was dead, and Juliet put him in a, in a body bag. From the sounds of it, and as he was driving to pick up his body, uh, you know he had, he came back to life in front of Julia. and that the chemicals in the pit had seeped into his skull and, and brought him back to life. Uh, but he came back with with no memories. Um, and Alfred has you know when he when he woke up, Alfred explained his life to him. Um, but when he got to the Batman part, Bruce Bruce asked him to stop. And Bruce cuts spent like a couple days kind of moping around the manor before Julie Madison showed up and she was there to ask him for help with the, uh, with her youth, with her youth shelter. Um, Clark tells Alfred that he, you know, you know, if he doesn't tell Bruce who he is, then he's going to be the guy that that goes and tells him. And, And Alfred tells him that this Bruce has no fighting skills, no detective skills, uh, that this isn't Batman, that he's got a totally new brain now. The, the, the chemicals in the pit didn't just fix his brain. It's a totally different one. He shows him some brain scans and we see that this isn't, you know, this isn't our Bruce Wayne. And he, The memories aren't lost. They were never there to begin with, so he cannot get them back. Uh, he then shows him Clark Batman's final invention. It's the uh, cloning technology often mentioned on the comic cast here, um, but we see that in fact that Although he was working on this automatic clone thing, he was never able to finish it. Um, Alfred asks Clark to please let someone else suffer for the city and, and leave Bruce to his peace. Uh, we then come back to Jim Gordon, who is tracking down Mr. Bloom leads. Uh, he breaks into a location that they think Bloom may be using, and he runs into Kwai and his gang. Uh, there's a fight, and Gordon takes most of them out, but ends up sent down a trap door into a kind of a furnace type of trap. Uh, it starts to heat up, uh, and he calls out to Julia for help, and we see someone come up behind her and knock her out. Uh, we then see Bruce back at the shelter, and him and Julia, Julie, head home for the night. Uh, looks like they are a couple. And Duke Thomas breaks into his finals and finds the seed that Jim left. Uh, we then cut to Penguin and Mr. Bloom having a meeting, where Penguin decides that they don't need any more competition in the underworld, and he orders his men to kill Bloom. Uh, they shoot him point-blank in the face uh but he comes right back to life, kills all the henchmen, and wounds Penguin maybe critically, but we know that didn't happen next on Snyder interview. Um and we see that, that Bloom is now uh tall, real tall, like kind of twenty feet tall, and then his arms and legs are kind of uh twisting uh, describe it like a clay face type effect. It's not clayface, but that type of like kind of bendy effect. Uh and we we close the issue with with Penguin being stabbed. And it says next up who is Mister Bloom?
2: Note that Alfred doesn't have a hand.
1: Alfred is Sand's hand. So
2: yeah. to answer um, that question.
1: Yeah, there we go. There. Uh One of my questions was going to be: Is we thought Penguin was dead, but like I said, we got that ruined already. Um, th- this is a kind of a general question, but I didn't know how else to, to, to phrase it. We get the big reveal about what happened to Bruce. What do you guys think of it? I mean, that's the meat of the issue.
0: Well, here we go. According to according to Snyder, it's not a clue. Um, you know, I was gonna, I, you know, I kind of talked about, I didn't really talk about, I said I would talk about it now, so here's the, here's me talking about it. Um, the excuse of he, he was dead. He was, they say he was down there for three weeks. He was dead. Julia found his body, put him in a body bag, and then suddenly he was alive. So somehow, after three weeks of being dead down there, and this stuff, this disonium stuff working because it was in his system, it somehow Healed all of his wounds, completely wiped his memory because he got a new brain somehow. I mean, like, he didn't have any brain injury, I guess. Well, I guess that was never explained. I guess something could have fell on his head and we squished
1: it it. Cracks in his skull. That's how the Dionysium got in there.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: I don't know. Like, the whole, the whole thing just comes across as, like, really, this doesn't seem like it's up to par with the stuff that Snyder normally writes. I mean, and part of it is because I was really banking on this clone theory, but at the same time, it, like the, the explanation doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, I don't want to say, you know, everything else that happens other than the explanation of how he comes back and how he's lost his memory is fine. You know, Alfred explaining, you know, the history of him and him deciding he doesn't have the guilt that, you know, the original Bruce did so that, you know, so he doesn't feel that desire to become Batman, it's all understandable. I don't have a problem with it. The fact that he decides to go shack up with Julie Madison, whatever. It, it Like, none of that matters, you know, none of that really makes a difference. The one thing that does make a difference is the explanation of how he gets to have no memories and all of that. That, to me, doesn't make any sense. You know, the other thing that I find slightly odd is the fact that when Jim Gordon comes and sees him and is like, hey, I need your help. I know you, you know, Wayne Enterprises doesn't have anything to do with, you know, you don't really have anything to do with it anymore because it's all, it was dissolved and, you know, taken over by Powers, but I know you had some input in what was going on with the R&D stuff, and I need your help looking over the suit. He's just completely dismissive of everything. He's kind of just like, no, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want anything to do with it. To me, that comes across as very strange And then later on in the, in the issue when he, you know, is sleeping in the office and Julie wakes him up, she makes a comment. She's like, you know, that's not the, it's not the you, that you, you, the real you, you, or something like that. And I'm reading that. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking to myself, like, so does she know that he was somebody else before? That's weird to me that she makes that comment, but Bruce himself considers himself to be this new person who has nothing to do with anything else and gets frustrated when somebody says they need some help. Like, why doesn't he want to help if he has such a desire to help these, you know, orphans or foster kids at this center? To me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Huh.
2: I, too, was very put off by the the that not you, you comment. Uh, and I felt like, my gosh, does Julie Madison know that he was at one point Batman? And that that could honestly be from year zero, zero year. Uh, maybe she had an inkling. It was forgive me, people. It was sort of like a uh, a bat, uh Spider Man, Mary Jane situation where actually she reveals later on that she knew basically from the beginning when he, you know, very s- close to the beginning because he swung out of his house and she saw him. So maybe she has had some sort of suspicions as well um but i i hope that that is explained the thing that got me was just the fact that they were able to find the body that was honest and maybe this is just too simplistic but honestly i was stuck on that because i felt like that whole thing that cavern was just destroyed and it seemed to me was like almost just a mind shaft imploding that, that the the level of possibility was very tiny for actually finding a body. And so to find one, I thought it was too easy. And then everything else just sort of spins out of control from there. You know, it's great to have, I think, a Bruce Wayne. It, there are some things that are suspect. Perhaps it's because you two have brainwashed me into believing <laughs> that there is in fact huh? a clone, that there's a clone. So I'm like on this clone thing, and I'm not believing anything that's right in front of me. That's why you brainwashed me. Um, but I, I think there is a good story possibility of having this sort of tabula rasa Bruce Wayne um, that's building his life in other ways. But there are some things that are just not jiving as well, which I think, you know, Dustin really put his uh, his fingers on. And, yeah. I, I, I have some other problems with like Clark Ken. I, I couldn't believe what he was asking Alfred to do. But you do sort of wonder how much did Alfred actually tell. Obviously he stopped at a certain line, but I mean... Bruce obviously knows he had some sort of dealings with Batman. I guess that he was in charge of Batman Incorporated, or Wayne was. But there, I, there are so many questions, and and I think that the best thing that that Dustin said was it's not really up to par with the the standards of Snyder answering questions. And I think perhaps there is a purpose for that because I, I just feel like this is a red herring somehow. It's very intriguing, but I think it's a red herring. Yeah, it
1: does seem to kind of just you know it, it's kind of it's kind of a different thing. And plus, I didn't, I wasn't expecting uh, when we before we got this issue, I wasn't expecting this much of it to be told us just like that in the next issue. You know, this was the kind of the Snyder that you know he well, like we just talked about early, drags things out for nine or ten issues. You know, mm-hmm. so to get like this so soon after Bruce's death slash resurrection, this kind of layout of well, this is what happened. You know, like real matter of factly does seem um, does seem out of place. Now, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know where this is going to go. I, Still, I think you could be very well on here. Something about the red herring. There is something that doesn't seem to just make sense. You know, mm-hmm. like it. And Snyder, although we all will disagree with some of the stuff he does, his stories are not normally poorly constructed. You know, like right. So this doesn't seem like something that he would do. This seems like it, you know that he's. I think he's deliberately kind of, kind of messing with us a bit here. Uh, plus, you know, when, when they find Batman, there isn't any mention of the other obvious question. Yes, Where's Joker? Where's the Joker? Yeah. Exactly.
0: Like, I was going to bring that up know, next. Like, you know, they find his body, which was supposed to be dead right next to the Joker's body. Uh.
1: So, you know, we, you know yeah. I think that, and that's going to tie into my next little part here is Mr. Bloom is supposed to be this original character. Do you think there's any possibility that that's the Joker? That's what the Dionysium turned him into?
2: I honestly, yes. Yes! Because I
1: felt like he, I don't know why, but I kept having this like, man, is that the Joker?
2: Yeah, like his body type, Uh, well, I guess just the way that it's designed, I was like, oh my gosh, why does this feel like the Joker to me? And because of the weird manifestations that that he has, I guess, I, I feel like it can very much be because of, being so exposed to Dionysium that Mr. Bloom is Joker. Like that is, I believe it thoroughly, but I'm sure Dustin, he's got something big to say, I can tell.
0: Well, the reason why I said that was not because I actually believe that. It's just because I remember, I, I, I distinctly remember Stella making a comment about this. On uh, I think it was on Twitter. Yes, it was on yeah. Twitter. And I was thinking to myself, I'm not really seeing what she's seen, but uh-huh. I rarely do. But. <laughs> Fair. <Yeah>. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. w- my, what I was going to say was, I don't feel as if Mr. Bloom is Joker. I feel like there, it is a different character. Now, if it, if it somehow ends up being Joker, it would be a huge swerve. I wouldn't see it coming, but I don't think it is, unless of course Joker has been doing, you know, he's been hiding himself in plain sight for, you know, again, uh, you know, for these other situations, you know, he has, multiple personalities he had the eric border he had he was the joker but then maybe he's also this mr bloom character because they're referencing that this character has been around for a while and next month's issue is supposed to be the history of this mr bloom and kind of dealing with what gordon stated he's dealt with some of these situations dealing with somebody like this before so in my mind there's no way this is the joker but who knows? I mean, that's not to say it's not entirely impossible that it could be the Joker too. But at the end of the issue, when the character has those crazy hands, what I actually looked at was, I thought to myself, that's weird. He's doing something very similar to what Dr. Death did in the other sp- story arc.
1: Mm.
0: Where he has, you know, the ability to change the form of his hands. He turns his hands into spears. That's something that we saw with Dr. Death earlier in Snyder's run. So that's one of those things where I was like, that's that's weird. I mean, it doesn't look like the same character at all. And I still hold by my thought process of what I said, I think, two episodes ago where, you know, this character reminds me of a ripoff of Slender Man. um, And even more so, I was watching a show, uh, I think it was a trailer for some movie called Sinister 2, or something like that, and I swear the bad guy in that looks very similar to Slender Man and also this character too. The difference is that this Mr. Bloom has a mask with a weird flower on its face. And you know, it is, you know, what, whatever it is, fine, but I don't feel like this is going to be some sort of memorable character at all. Unless it turns out to be somebody like the Joker underneath the mask, which I don't think it is.
1: See, I don't know. I just got this vibe, like You know how he taught the the end scene with Penguin, right? Like, the way he talks to Penguin with with this complete lack of respect seems very Jokerish in a way, you know? Maybe he doesn't even know he's Joker. Maybe if Bruce Wayne came back blank, so did the Joker. See, Snyder likes to draw these comparisons always, right? He likes to say, this is A, and this is B, and they're related. So I could very much see him going, this is Bruce. And if Bruce's mind was made a blank slate, he would still become a good person and try to help people. That's what Scott's telling us here, right? Like, Bruce Wayne had nothing. The core of the man would still be a person who helps people, even if it's helping homeless kids. I could see him be showing us the same parallel with the Joker. Like, if the Joker's mind got wiped, he would still become a psychopath, you know, because he's a bad guy. Good people, bad people. Um, that's all. That's, that's the way I would kind of saw it was was maybe it was Scott showing us what happened to both of them. Uh, because if not, the omission that about the Joker is glaring that they haven't talked about him unless he's going somewhere with it. You know what I'm saying? Like if he's not bringing it up just to not bring it up and, and doesn't have a plan for it, that would be, um, that would be unfortunate.
0: I, I, I just want to make one final comment about this issue in general. And that is, you know, they make a mention, you know, we, we know that Snyder has not worked well with the other members of the bat family. And we've complained about that multiple times. But one thing that I, that I just have to point out is in this issue, they actually make a point to say that all of the Bat family members were on shifts looking for the body of Bruce. It was Julia who ends up finding him. Um, but they show no members of the Bat family reacting to the fact that he could, he potentially was dead. They never showed reactions of the Bat family knowing that now he's like, he's a simple man and he has, he you know, he's, he has nothing to do with Batman. Nobody, we're not seeing any reactions. And that's be just because Snyder doesn't, you know, he doesn't write anything when it comes to the, the Bat family. And to me, that doesn't make any sense because we are seeing repercussions of Jim being in the suit in almost every other Bat title. But you would think that if Bruce Wayne's still alive and, why isn't anybody talking about that or mentioning it, you know, why is it that when, uh, that, I, I don't know, there's, that, that's a huge problem for me, is, it just doesn't make any sense, you know, why is it that, you know, Damien, we know that Snyder doesn't want, you know, doesn't like writing Damien, doesn't want to write Damien, has no intention of ever using the character, but why isn't it that Damien has we don't see any sort of reaction from Damien. Even
1: goes. his own book. Like yeah. like hey, my dad's a walking around with no memories. That's kinda weird. You yes. know like,
0: like that part doesn't make any sense. Like what is the point of reacting to this giant change that's taking place in one book if you're only reacting to half the giant change. You know, they're reacting to that there's this new character inside the suit, but nobody's reacting to the fact that Bruce is dead, that you know Bruce is not dead but he doesn't have any memories there's no reaction and that's a huge problem for me
1: well yeah it is it is very weird that it, this is not uh, Batman's working at a kid shelter down the street and no one really seems to make a big deal out of it
0: like yeah, everyone it's just like eh, okay just that's 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 what happens when you retire
1: I guess well it makes Damian's um own book where he's doing his own little globetrotting adventures seem almost like a kind of a jerk move right like he just left his dad there like see ya I know you're like Doing your thing down there, I'm out of here. You know? Um again, I think it feels like, th- this is one of the problems of, of us doing Scott Snyder stories on a monthly basis. There is always these hitches. Remember in Zero Year, it was the same way, where you start with these things that don't seem to make sense, and by the end, they normally do. But yeah, this is, this one, th- this one, this issue felt really, did kind of, I don't know, it felt like it was an obligatory, Issue of telling us what happened because he had to. If that makes any sense?
0: Which is so weird because it just feels like, like you said, it's out of place. All right, so this issue for me, I'm going to give it three and a half out of five ratings.
1: I'm going to give it three out of five. Um, just with the caveat that in three months we could look back at this and, and be like, oh, well, that makes a lot more sense now.
0: I think that's almost like everything we say with snipes. Yeah, yeah, I honestly <laughs> feels like that's just something like that's like a disclaimer we <laughs> yeah. need to put on every. <laughs> you know, issue of Snyder stuff.
2: I think I'll give it a three out of five. And I do have to say, I mean, since Ed was leading this, he of course was not going to bring it up, but Mm -hmm. I do actually really like the, um, as a shipper, you know, I do like the relationship that Julie and Bruce have. And it's just, I think it's one of those things, you know, the road not taken because if he was never Batman, could he have sort of a stable relationship? And I just like the way that they are together. So I'm sure it's going to be broken apart by the end of this story arc. But for I'll right now, right? I can. Yeah, or something terrible. Yeah. I also like her tattoos. But, um, yeah, so I, I just have to say that. But 3.5 out of 5. Or 3. 3 out of 5, right?
0: <laughs> All right. So over on the website, Corbin gave it 4.5. So that's Whoa. what to give Batman number 43 a total of 3.5. Out of five, batterings. That is all of our books. Let's jump over to spotlight. As far as our TV spotlight, uh, some of the other books over reviewed over on the website. We have Batman Beyond number three, reviewed by Jim. The, he gave it four and a half out of five. The, the The main thing is, Batman is no longer under the control of Brother Eye. He's managed to escape. Check out the review for the full synopsis. Next up, Batmite number three, reviewed by Ryan. He gave it four out of five. This issue featured Damien teaming up, well, in, n- not by choice, teaming up with Batmite. Um, and Batmite trying to make Damien smile, but wasn't really successful. Check out the full synopsis on the website. All right, Midnighter number three, reviewed by Gary. He gave it four out of five. Midnighter dealt with multiplex in this issue. And uh, Grayson comes in at the very end of the issue because now Midnighter's path is crossing a spiral. Uh, next, we have Batman Superman number 23, reviewed by Bill New reviewer on the website. He gave it three and a half out of five. Uh, basically the entire gist of this issue is that Clark is trying to figure out whether or not he can trust Jim as Batman and Jim is trying to figure out whether or not he can trust Clark as Batman. That's the entire issue. Alright, Catwoman number 43 reviewed by Gary. He gave it four out of five. Catwoman has been, dis- has, it's been revealed to the Calabrese family that she is in fact Still playing the role of Catwoman, and now she has to deal with the situation that that presents. Uh, next up, Red Hood Arsenal number three, reviewed by Jim. He gave it four and a half out of five. Basically, Roy Harbour spends every bit of their money on an advertisement for a uh, basically a hero for hire, or as uh, they like to call it, rent a bat. Uh, where they are hired by somebody who appears to be a bad guy and then gets vaporized by some ele- electrical charge. Check out the review over on the website. Gotham Academy, number nine, reviewed by Gary. He gave it four out of five. Uh, we finally find out who Olive's mom is. Uh, she is a character called Calamity. Find out what that means for Olive and the rest of the detective club by heading over to the website. Next up, new Suicide Squad number 11, reviewed by Jim. He gave it four and a half out of five. Uh, Amanda Waller sends in the other half of the Suicide Squad to deal with Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and Black Manta, who have been uh, infiltrating the, the League, this break-off group from the League of Assassins. Check out to see what happens. And finally, our very own Stella reviewed DC Comics Bombshells number one, which includes digital chapters one through three, And she gave it four and a half out of five. Stella, briefly tell us what happened in that first issue.
2: Yeah, basically setting up three different characters in this bombshell universe. You have Batwoman, Wonder Woman, and then Supergirl. And it's taking place during World War II. So I guess that would be the speedy thing. But they're each doing sort of different adventures. And hopefully by the end of... This series, however long they do it, they'll all come together. But it's amazing. I really can't talk enough about how amazing it is.
0: All right, so definitely check out the review for the full synopsis of what happened in that issue. All right, so that is all of our DC Spotlight. Uh, the only other book that we, or the only other books that uh, we didn't have reviewed over on the website that uh, also released Earth Two Society number three, as well as Justice League United number twelve. Both of those books did release that include members of the Batman universe that we do not have reviewed on the website, but those are ones to keep an eye out for as well. Alright, so moving from that straight over to our listener (laughs) Q&A's.
2: Boy, did you get a wrong
1: number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No,
0: please, don't! Ah! bunch of different listener q a's greatly appreciate all the listener feedback i guess you guys really enjoyed our discussion on scott Snyder fatigue and you decided to chime in um real quick i want to run through some of the things i noticed that we also got some tweets over on our twitter account one uh they come from at red lantern 2051 uh he says i'm reading batman eternal alongside your old reviewed episodes great stuff i'm often laughing um, and then he also said, if people love Batman comics and aren't listening to the Batman Universe and Batgirl Oracle Podcast, they should. Fun, entertaining stuff. So our thank man. you for yeah. those yeah. nice remarks. I'm, I'm sure Stella also enjoys those. Alright, and then over on our Facebook group, which I have been I've uh, I have basically been ignoring every time we talk about listener Q&As, but <laughs> there are sometimes there are sometimes Fair. listener Q&As <laughs> over on the Facebook group that I completely forget about because I I've always said leave the comments over on the website, but uh, Bob says, "Wow, really great discussion about Snyder and the source of his power." I'll try not to go too hard here. As a Bat fan, I'm relatively new to being a monthly reader, but I've been cherry picking cool stories from the last 15 years, long Halloween and etc. All Star Batman and Robin were things that made me a concrete Bat fan even when I wasn't buying the monthlies. Now I read Batman, Batgirl, Academy, Midnighter. Grayson, it's crazy, and it has a lot to do with your commentary, so kudos for converting, well, I won't go that far, but a Marvelite by helping to bring out uh, an outsider deep inside the world and help me to understand the storyline enough that I felt comfortable finally jumping into being a monthly reader. So, Snyder, I don't think it's about being simple. I wouldn't call Court of All simple by any stretch. I think, honestly, that Snyder shows a level of straight-up creativity lacking from a lot of other superhero books, not just in inventing characters like the court, but in using existing tropes, allies, villains, and even locations, and just aspects of the Bat mythology in a way that continues to feel fresh, maybe even to a fault. I mean, I'm still not sure how I feel about Jim Gordon running around in a Veritech fighter suit, but I do love love Snyder's use of characters, and I love that he does things in January that blossom into huge situations by August. There's a payoff to sticking with it. That said, I think the Bat brand has maybe never been more universally embraced beyond the comic book sphere. Everyone in the world watched The Dark Knight. I mean, that's a film, not just a comic movie. And there is still energy emanating from the Nolan's Bat movies that are powering interest in the books, not to mention an upcoming film. I think, to a degree, it it's not about Snyder. People would buy Batman if Dustin was writing it.
1: Well, let's not get weird. (laughs) <laughs> yes,
0: let's, let's definitely not. But it's, he says it certainly helps that Snyder and Capullo clearly have syncreasy, but there's a snowball effect. I think DC and Snyder need to be careful in the next year, though, or they risk losing some of that movement. I brought a group. I, I brought a group of 12 year twelve-year-olds to my local comic shop the other day, and they asked and they asked me to show them Batman. But when they picked it up, they got confused and asked, "What's the robot on the cover?" When I tried to briefly explain the current situation with Bruce Wayne and Batman, they scrunched up their faces and ultimately were more interested in Academy and or Batmite and even the current issue of Bizarro appears to have Batman on the cover, so that's what they ended up buying. Anyways, as a guy who honestly wasn't a monthly Batman reader until right around court, I can say that I feel what attracts me to Batman is definitely the character, but yes, Snyder is one of the most compelling writers out there right now. I'm sure you guys have tons of info about this on the website, but any recommendations about pre-Snyder, pre-post-Flashpoint story arcs I should pick up would greatly be appreciated, because for me, Snyder is the only writer I've really spent an extended period of time with. Everyone else, or everything else I've read has been collections and traits. Thanks for talking through Snyder's impact. I think it's an important topic, but I'm not hearing a lot of discussion brought up on. Uh, sorry that was dumb long, but I really like hearing you guys hash this out. One of my favorite episodes in a while.
1: You, you know what, first of all, the idea of someone trying to explain quickly to children what Scott Snyder's been doing.
0: Yeah, it's is a very tall order, man. Yeah, I mean, that's,
1: that, that's, you're probably not gonna win that war. But yeah, no, I mean, I guess what, the only thing pre-New 52 for Snyder really would really be Black Mirror, right?
0: Well, I think what he's saying pre-Snyder in general.
1: Oh, okay. He just pre-Snyder. wants recommendations. Oh, yes. oh, okay. Okay, I thought he meant what, did Snyder, right, pre-New 52. Um, I mean, if you're, you're new to stuff, I would, you know, I would do uh, a couple things. I would obviously read Hush. That's like my number one story. And right around the time of the New 52, although this isn't technically Batman, I would read Rucka's Batwoman run in
0: yeah. Detective. Absolutely.
1: Yep. It's really good. Like, if you're looking for something that's still in recent memory, and and really the good thing about the Rucka run with Batwoman was it hasn't got a race from continuity. That pretty much all stayed intact in the New yes. 52. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so if you haven't read that, I would really recommend that. That's really,
0: and that is, that is collected in trade. Both of those are collected in trade. As you did mention that you, uh, you, Bob, you did mention that you buy stuff in trades, you know, preview, you know, from previous stories. Uh, ones that I would recommend, uh, under the red hood, sure. or I guess it's under the hood is the actual story. That one deals with Jason t- Todd coming back into continuity. Um, obviously my favorite, as I've mentioned many times in the past, Batman No Man's Land. It's like four volumes. You're not doing anything this winter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Pretty much because that'll take you a while. That, that also you have to read Batman Cataclysm and why not just include contagion along with it? Um, and then that, that, so that's a huge story that'll take you a while to read as well.
1: But, oh, and if if you are buying in trade, that the Batwoman run that Rucka did isn't called Detective Comics. It's called Batwoman Allergy. That's how the trade is done. So if you're looking for that trade, uh, get it. It's good. It's really worth reading if you haven't read it.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and I first got into the, the Kate character from 52, but really? you're, you're going to have some uh, some collecting to get with that, and that may be slightly confusing. Um, but, you know, if you want to get to know Kate and Montoya, the first love of her life, then you can certainly read that. I always recommend Batgirl Year One because I believe that to be perhaps the best Batgirl story out there. Um, but I'll also tag that with any of the Brian Q. Miller Batgirl stuff. I think it yeah. starts with Flood. Oh, no, it starts with Batgirl Rising and then Volume 2 is Flood. And then the new uh, Batgirl Burnside, which they just put out their first volume there. As for Batman, Hush, I really love that storyline. And uh, I started doing Streets of Gotham and uh, The Batman and Robin by Grant Morrison and like mm. sort of tag-teaming them since they were post mm. the death of Bruce Wayne the first time. So uh, those talk. are some recommend. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> so those sure. are some recommendations, and I just have to give you props for the Robotech reference. That was why I squawked cause, and caused Dustin to stop reading because he said about the Veritech. So I think I may be the only person there that got the reference. So kudos to you, sir.
1: Yeah, I didn't get it. Was that was that a Robotech thing?
2: It was because he said it was yeah Veritech, which is Robotech stuff. So. All
0: right. So then moving on over to the website. Lots of stuff over here as well. All right, so starting off, we have Doug. He says, in regards to your discussion about Scott Snyder being on Batman and how long a writer should remain on a title, I don't think you can put a 10-year length on how long a writer should stay on a book. As long as he's creating interesting stories, let him keep going. Personally, I wish he would stick with more Batman's classics rogues gallery, since readers tend to have more vested in them. I don't mind him creating new characters, but I hold the classics, Joker, Rither, Catwoman, In a special place, my biggest problem with Snyder is that he has too much power over the bad titles. Like you all said, he kneecapped detective comics who, in my opinion, have been producing better stories. My question is, shouldn't the group editor be the one guiding the bad series? If they want to use Snyder's stuff so much, make him the group editor. A single writer should not constitute the rest of the books. If that writer does, they need a promotion. I love the podcast and look forward to seeing each episode pop up on my iPhone. To Ed and Stella, thanks for being the Harvey to Dustin's Two-Face. <laughs> to Dustin, it always makes me smile when you, when the other two can make you laugh. Keep up the great work. All right. Well, thanks, Doug, for the comment. Uh, real quick, I agree with the, the bat editor. There's a part of me honestly thinks that Mark Doyle got the job as bat group. And I, and this is nothing against Mark Doyle at all. I don't think he's been doing a bad job in any way, shape, or form. You know, we've seen Gotham Academy and Batgirl get new directions, and I don't think that had anything, well, Gotham Academy, a new series, and Batgirl getting a new direction, Catwoman getting a new direction. I don't think any of that had anything to do with Snyder, other than just the timing of the events of what was going on in Batman Eternal, which Snyder is a part of. But I feel as if Mark Doyle got the job that he did was because he had such a close relationship with Scott Snyder. Because the two of them worked together on American Vampire before Snyder even came up to work on Detective Comics or Batman. Um, At the same time, it's not unheard of for a writer to eventually become an editor. We've seen that before. Denny O'Neill is the one that immediately comes Mm -hmm. to mind out Mm -hmm. there. But there's plenty of other uh, writers that have ended up becoming editors down the line. Um, That being said, I don't see Snyder wanting to be an editor in any way, shape, or form. And I also have to wonder how like we've talked about this before, how much of an effect he really has on what's happening in Batman Eternal. We know that Tinian has a huge part. Snyder himself has said that he has, you know, that that Tinian's kind of running the show, but Snyder gets a lot of the credit where, you know, and he's and he doesn't really feel like he should be getting the credit that he gets. But I have to wonder to myself, you know, they they slap Snyder's name on there and Snyder, and like when it comes to interacting with a lot of these other Bat family members, I don't think it has anything to do with Snyder at all. This random thing I was just randomly thinking about. But anyway,
1: yeah, I don't all either. Right. I, I think that this, this. But here's the thing too, like you would never want to take a guy like Snyder and have him edit when he's at the prime of his career for writing stories, right? Like that'd be, a, in my opinion, that would be a waste of his talent. Mm. Be, I really do. I mean, he's there is some guys that can go from writer to editor because they're, they're, they're good. Tr- they're, this is going to sound mean. It's not mean at all. They're good tradesmen. Like they understand the industry, right? Yeah. Snyder's yeah. a good writer. I don't know if you'd want him doing promotion. And I mean, I don't know. It just, it seems like he should just stay, stick with writing because he's, if when you're that good at something, don't screw with it.
0: Sure. All right, next, Albert V. says, Wow, great discussion, guys. I had no clue you guys would discuss Snyder for about 30 minutes when I asked that question. I lean more towards the way Dustin feels. Ed, you are a serious Snyder apologist and a good one at that. I found myself nodding my head and saying, you know, he's got a good point. It was good to hear Stella back on the pod, but Dustin and I felt like I had to take a shower after all that Marvel talk this episode. Ha, ha, ha. I right, a little off topic, but with Season 2 of Gotham coming up, I wanted to ask you, Dustin, Aww. is Gotham... Is the Gotham Chronicle podcast going to continue? I really enjoyed the first season with Josh Still and Don. I know it may have been torture for them towards the end, but the show was so bad, but it was a great listen. Another great pod. Thanks for all you guys do for our entertainment. Well, I'm happy to say that uh, that uh, I have talked with Josh, and uh, we have every intention of bringing Season 2 of the Gotham Chronicle to your iPods, iPhones, whatever, iTunes, any any device that you listen to our stuff on. Uh, we have every intention of bringing you the latest episodes of that come the second season, which I believe is the end of September, if I remember correctly. So um, look forward to that. All right. Moving right along. Ian says, great discussion. I like, I really like all the points made about Snyder's run. I really, really like Snyder's ideas, but I think he tends to have serious problems providing a satisfying ending. I think it's fascinating that he's actually doing, I think it's fascinating that he's actually doing the exactly the same thing Grant Morrison did. Kill off Bruce Wayne as Batman and have a long running supporting character take up the mantle. And just as with the Morrison's run, Morrison's run, the universe reshaped itself around the new Batman. I happen to like Snyder's writing on a character and dialogue level way better than Morrison's expositional-rama, and I like Capullo's art enormously better than the Chris Burnham-Frank-Quietly stuff that Morrison obviously loves to collaborate with. That being said, I do miss the post-crisis continuity that Morrison helped shape, particularly Brian Miller's Batgirl run, but there was a reason for the New 52 reboot, and Snyder's massive sales a strong argument that there's something that they're doing that appeals to a wider audience that Morrison and his fellow writers couldn't do or didn't tap into. Also, it was great to have Selby back, though I was sad that she skipped mentioning Stephanie Brown as spoiler in the Batgirl Annual number three. I'm so sorry. For- Forgot to add that I thought the ending of Endgame was too similar. Si- was too similar to Alan Moore's The Killing Joke. I reject the idea that Batman is a mirror image of the Joker, and so having Batman's last word be "Ha." rubs me the wrong way in exactly the same way of having Batman and the Joker share a little joke at the end of The Killing Joke does. Lots of good points. I appreciate the feedback, especially regarding the the, the comparisons between Snyder's work and Grant Morrison's work. All right, next up, Chris says, In regards to Batman, what if it's actually Alfred wearing a mask, like Dis- Dick Grayson did earlier to make himself look like the Joker, to look like Bruce while Bruce heals?
1: Well, that didn't happen. So. Yes,
0: well, it didn't <laughs> happen, but I mean, obviously, this this comment was posted before the issue release. But it would have been interesting if if Alfred was walking around with one of those holographic masks that yeah, that he's referring to that Dick Grayson was wearing earlier in the run. I believe it was the actual first issue. Issue okay, so
1: number one. The problem with that would be that there's a body type, a serious body type issue. Like,
2: yeah,
1: Bruce looks like like a beefcake lumberjack. He does. I mean look at the guy. Jesus. He's obviously in great shape. He's not Real. You know, I mean but uh he's big dude. Alfred's uh you know, just doesn't seem to have the body type there. But it would have been interesting to do, you know, that could have been one where it would have been interesting to see maybe not Alfred, but you could have had Dick Grayson or somebody else that, you know, was kinda hiding out. Interesting way to go with it. Not not the way Snyder went with it, but That would have been an interesting way too.
0: All right. Next up, Jared says, Hey, guys, I've been listening for a while now, and I've come to really enjoy your chemistry. Thanks for helping help in keeping my family fed by buying and giving synopsises of all these side comics so I don't have to go broke doing it. (laughs) I just have a couple of quick points that I wasn't surprised didn't come up. On the whole Bruce Wayne being a clone thing, the one thing that makes me think this may not be the direction they're heading is because it's been done before. Spider-Man had a clone for a while. (laughs) Spider-Man had a clone for a while, and it was not a well-received story at all. Would they really try to, again, try it again and copy one of the worst stories done by their main competitor? Okay, real quick, I'm just going to, before I continue on with the rest of your comment, I don't read Spider-Man, so unfortunately I didn't bring it up. The fact that Stella or Ed, I don't know, I don't think Ed reads Spider-Man, but the fact that Stella didn't bring it up, that's what's probably the most surprising thing. Because she always finds every opportunity to bring in Spider-Man slash Marvel whenever she can. I don't read Spider-Man, so unfortunately there's no way to, for me to make that comparison because I'm not aware of what goes on in the Spider-Man universe. Moving on. Oh also, gosh. on your point that your other mediums, that other mediums don't worry at all about keeping a fresh writer on a series like comics do, you mentioned Harry Potter and Game of Thrones as an example. Uh, the difference I see is I see there is Rollins and Martin are not just writers of those stories, but the creators of these characters and their worlds. Comics don't just change writers because they grow stale, but out of absolute necessity considering how long these characters have existed. People naturally move on in one way or another. That being said, Snyder can stay on Batman as long as he likes, in my opinion. His stories got me back into comics. Then again, Morrison had a long run. He's the reason I left comics. Ooh. So it's all a matter of taste, I guess, on how long you want someone to stay. And lastly, on why Snyder sells so many more comics than the other Bat titles, it seems to me Batman is the summer blockbuster of comics, whereas Detective may, may be a min- an indie Oscar candidate. And the fact is, way more people gravitate toward the movie or comic that they don't have to think too hard about and has all sorts of action beats and major movie stars. Hope I made sense. Sorry for being so long-winded, but thanks for taking the time to read my thoughts. Well, you know, I I do want to say this. I, you know, there's a Jerry. You're not the first person to say this. Some of you have actually said that cider stuff is actually a lot easier to read than some of the other stuff. I don't, and I brought that up last week, and you guys called me dumb. Yeah, because I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. I don't think that cider stuff is easier to read. Like, yes, for I guess the simple read. Fine, straightforward, it can go straightforward. But there's so much dialogue that if you're reading the dialogue, you have to at least try to think about what the dialogue is saying. It can't just be, this is what's happening. There's all these word bubbles. I'm going to ignore half of them. And I'm not trying to be mean when I say that, but, like, there's a lot going on in in Steiner's books. It's not just the simple book. Detective Comics, in some regards, is a little bit more straightforward. There's a lot less thinking that you have to do with Detective Comics, regardless of whether it's this kneecap version or whether it's their their previous story arcs, there's not less thinking that you're doing, but part of it probably also has to do with Snyder's you know you don't always know what the endings going to be for Snyders stuff up until it actually happens. So that might make you a little bit more interested. but I don't think in any way shape or form that Snyder stuff is simple. And I know I said that before and I know Stella said, I know Stella said that she agreed with me before. And Ed said it's more simple, and I just I don't I don't believe that at all.
1: Jared, you're a smart guy. Keep up the good work, man. Like what you're saying.
0: All
2: and right. I don't think he's <laughs> saying it's simple. I don't know if if that's necessarily what he meant, but I, I do totally get. I feel like his comparison to a blockbuster film with the indie. I, I think that's that's very right on because I think people block like they're gonna go for this Batman lead over this street level where we're focusing more on Bullock and the detectives. I think that's, that's honestly an issue there. And and I think that was true. And I don't, you know, I'll defend Jared by saying, I don't think he meant it was simple, but there's just, I, I think we go into reading Snyder's Batman a different way than we go into reading detective comics.
0: I'll say this. When I go see movies, I, I absolutely, you know, I have no problem going and seeing blockbusters, but I'm not going to see the blockbuster movie because it's going to be such a, Thought provoking thing. I'm going to see it because it is straightforward. I mean, very, it, it is not very common where you get a humongous blockbuster that really is thought provoking. At the same time, I absolutely love the thought provoking movies and I watch more of those than I do the big blockbusters because of that. Nice. Because I like the thought provoking. But, that's, it's, it's like a opposite comparison when it comes to that. But anyway. Alright, lastly, our Our longtime favorites commenter, John Plick, he returns. And he says, other than Catwoman's response to Batman's disappearance, I'm not a fan of Scott Snyder's current storyline in the main Bat titles. I really wish that Snyder wouldn't have listened to your Batman-hating, Marvel-loving podcast partner, Stella, and messed with Bruce Wayne. I I think she said something about wanting Bruce to go on vacation and get eaten by King Shark. I don't think that giving him the disowning a.k.a. superhero amnesia, is much better. Showing what kind of man Bruce would be if he wasn't haunted by his psychological trauma could be told in one single issue. He'd be a nice, normal, well-adjusted guy who volunteered to help out in his community. Great, now let's move on. Hopefully he'll get his memory back soon. And did Alfred even tell Bruce that he had a biological son named Damien? I know Senator is terrible at acknowledging Damien's existence, but come on. I expect that the Batman v Superman movie to, I expect Batman v Superman movie to be amazing. I would, I would have loved to have seen Jenna Malone play an adult version of Carrie Kelly, but if she ends up playing a walking Barbara Gordon who can be Oracle while still being able to physically fight crime as Batgirl, that would be awesome. All right. Well, thank you for your comments. I agree, agree strongly with the Damien thing. Like, that's something where that, that Land should be. Man left been mentioned. out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, by the way, I know you don't want to know what's behind this 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 door over here, but by the way, you have a son,
1: and you adopt and and you adopted a, this Tim Drake kid at one point, and Dick Grayson was also kind of like your son in a way. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that she probably could have could have told her.
0: And, and it's, like, it's almost like this is like Snyder's way of like wiping everything away. Like, oh. He doesn't want to be Batman, so we're not going to tell him about any of these other people who are basically his family, and literally his family when it comes to Damien
1: You know, the other thing, too, was he brings up Catwoman here and her her response to Batman's disappearance, and I know you hit it really fast going through the spotlight, but that that scene in Catwoman 43 with her and Bruce was pretty cool. I like the fact that that, that he, the Bruce Wayne got acknowledged with the Selina Kyle standing there, so I'm glad mm-hmm. that some of the other books are kind of dealing with this a little bit, you know? Um, But I don't know how much longer we'll have before this is all
2: wrapped up. Yeah. And I think it goes back to Dustin's original comment that, you know, these different characters were looking for Bruce's body and the one who found it was Julia and what impact have we seen throughout the Bat universe? And we really haven't. I think with the exception of... Dick constantly calling in that one issue of uh, Grayson calling Batman and wondering where he is and um, and then Catwoman. And I, I think that's been a problem because when Dick died in quotes and Damian died, we at least had some sort of issue with other characters that, you know, show what the relationship was like and then what the loss was. But we haven't had that with Bruce, which is a disappointment. And I don't know if that's Snyder's thing. Now, to defend myself, I don't hate Batman. Yes, I do love Marvel. And I did think that he was going to go on a vacation. But I don't think I ever mentioned King Shark. So I do just want to say that. And, you know, John mixes... Pitlick is actually the reason why I don't make as many Marvel references because he was getting upset and I felt like maybe the other people are getting upset. So I try to keep it low. So that's why I didn't bring up this clone saga but I thank Jared for bringing it.
0: So in other words, she would have if Plug didn't exist. So Mixleplug, oh keep gosh. leaving your comments. Yeah, boy! Oh my gosh! Alright, so that is actually all of our listener Q&As. If for whatever reason you sent Listener Q&A's on Twitter, Facebook, somewhere else, and I, and not, and I didn't read them. I apologize for not reading them. Sometimes if they're not on the website, they get lost in the shuffle and I don't necessarily pay attention or see them. I shouldn't say pay attention because I I normally, I will probably see them, but to, when two weeks goes by and we're recording or a week goes by and we're recording, it's a little difficult to try to track them all down unless they are on the website. So I implore you anybody who left comments to be sure to leave your comments on the website in the comment section to ensure that we read your comments for the next episode. Also keep in mind that next episode we will be having a discussion. Uh, so if you have thoughts on a discussion point, bring those up in your comments so that we can talk about those on the next episode. In addition to that, I'm still looking for some comic book reviewers. I have almost all of the current books. Re- uh, I have all almost all of the books reviewed currently, except for some of the DC titles, like like I mentioned, Justice League, Justice League United, and Earth Two Society is is two of the books. This this episode that we didn't have reviewed. But keep in mind that there's still Batman Eternal, now Batman Europa, as well as uh, Batman the Master or, Race. I shouldn't say Batman. The Dark Knight, or... get it right. Dark Knight, Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. That also is all coming. So those three titles that will add a minimum of six issues per month that will be released that will need to be reviewed over on the website. So that is going to be a huge group. January comes. We'll also have the Poison Ivy mini that we'll be releasing. Uh, but I also believe that January will, will, will be dropping the Harley Quinn Power Girl and that might because those will be, those will wrap up. But one way or the other, The more people we have leading up to these additional six issues that are coming very, very soon here, the easier it'll be for everyone who reviews books. So now is the time to get on board. Also, I'm looking for writers for news stories, whether it be movies, TV, merchandise, video games. Terry's been doing comic news and been doing a great job. But if you have other comic news or you have other editorials that you want to write up, like some of the stuff we mentioned earlier today, Ed wrote up that one about Tim Drake needing to die, and Terry wrote up one about Bruce Wayne being a clone. Those are the type of original content we want to see. So if you produce some sort of content that like that uh, related to the Batman Universe, shoot me an email at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net and get a hold of me and we'll try to get you set up over on the website. In addition to that, be sure to check out all of our other podcasts that we have to offer. Be sure to head over to the website for all the news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course, the comics. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as join our Facebook group. And that is that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed.
2: And this is Tessa.
0: You've been listening to the Batmanverse Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in 2 weeks.